Hi, I'm Sam Hawley. This is ABC News Daily. When two sisters from Saudi Arabia were found dead and naked in their beds in a Sydney apartment, it shocked Australians and puzzled police. And it's raised questions about who the young women were and why they fled their homeland. Today, background briefing reporter Rachel Brown on her chilling investigation into their mysterious deaths and why other Saudi women in Australia are living in fear. Rachel Brown, this is such a disturbing case. These two Saudi sisters who were found dead in their beds in an apartment in Sydney's Inner West. As part of your investigation, you went to the apartment where these women were living. Yeah, so once it was no longer a crime scene, obviously, I decided to look into it with a colleague of mine, Mahmoud Fazal. Uh, Mahmoud and I went in and that was quite chilling, but not for what was there, but for what wasn't. And there's a living area and a kitchen. Oh, it's got the crepes. So it was stripped back to the basics, just the fittings, nothing left in there other than an odour meter. You could definitely mm. smell like a stale rot. If you stand over here, you can smell it. And it just kind of gets in the back of your nose. Because we knew what had happened there, it was all the sadder. And these two girls were living alone and they weren't found for a month, you know, maybe even more. And the only reason, Sam, they were found was because they'd missed rent payments. It's just heartbreaking. Mm. And, Rach, what do we know about these women? Well, we know that they came to Australia in 2017, but it was really hard to get a good sense of who they were. We did start to get a little bit of a better sense of them when the manager of the apartment block they were living in agreed to speak to us. And who was that? So that's Michael Baird, and he Mm -hmm. says the young women moved into number 115 in November last year. And very quickly he said it became apparent that they were really nervous about something, Mm. like really twitchy. Did he explain why he thought they were twitchy? Yeah, there are a couple of things. Mm. In January, the women had contacted him worried about their food order being tampered with. They emailed him saying they'd seen someone outside and if he could check on the CCTV footage if they'd tampered with their food. Thursday morning about 2.12, 2.25am. Basically, they're asking whether we saw anything suspicious on the cameras. They asked him to look at the footage, but the footage didn't extend that far. It only really covers the entrance. But this is the weirder one. So in around late March, a plumber had to go into the flat to do some work. And when he came out, he called Michael and he said, I'm never going back in there. He was um, concerned that there was something uh, untoward happening in the apartment. He wasn't sure what it was. He got a very bad vibe from it stuck right in my mind Mm. because it never happens. He goes, I don't know, something definitely wrong with that apartment. Something definitely happening in that place that's not good. Michael then thought, well, we need to do, maybe we should call the police. Mm. So he called the police to go around to do a welfare check. They wouldn't even let the police in. 
Eventually access was gained. The two young women apparently were cowering in the corner, um, the far corner of the apartment. It sounds like the police just spoke to them from the, from the doorway. They said they were fine, so there wasn't really much anyone else could do. But Michael, bless him, he, he, I got a lot of admiration for him. He did try again, and I feel like he's the only, one of the only people that did try. He went back the next day because he was worried. When I went into the unit, um, I saw these two little girls stuck in the corner like two little sparrows, um, quite frightened, quite timid. And said, please, if there's anything worrying you, you know, just let us know. It doesn't matter what it is, just tell us, we can help you. They, they just sounded terrified of something. Mm. But they just said, no, no, we're okay. And he said, well, what could I do? Like, they were clearly uncomfortable, so I just left. Let's get to what the police investigation is showing soon. But I think to better understand this case, we need to talk about Saudi Arabia and citizens that flee that country. Yeah, right. Well, in 2017, when Azra and Amal came to Australia, Saudi Arabian women were prohibited from travelling overseas without a male relative or without their permission. So that makes any journey out of the country pretty difficult if you don't have that permission. You might remember the case of 18-year-old Rahaf Mohammed. My name is Rahaf Mohammed. Please help me, they will kill me. That was a big news break in November 2019 when Four Corners reporter Sophie McNeil reported on her case. Rahaf is sent to the airport transit hotel under guard and blocked from leaving. She'd fled her family in Saudi Arabia and barricaded herself in a hotel room in Bangkok after she'd been ordered to fly to Kuwait instead of Australia, where she was hoping for asylum. Mm, It was huge news. I remember that at the time. And she was actually, she was heading for Australia, but she was eventually granted permanent residency in Canada. Rahaf Mohammed is now a free resident of Canada. Her dream is for women in Saudi Arabia to have the same rights she now has. Yeah, and by the sounds of it, she was one of the few lucky ones, mm. you know, and there are there's 75 Saudi women who've been granted permanent protection visas in Australia since mid-2017, but there are a lot that we won't hear mm. about that get caught. I spoke to one young woman who did manage to make it into Australia. She is calling herself Hayat, Mm -hmm. that's not her real name, and she was in her 20s when she fled Saudi Arabia because of the appalling treatment of women there. She says that women are just treated like children and she just had to get out. I felt so scared because at any moment that my family could find out and, and I would be forced to go back like what happened to many girls from Saudi. And so she told me about her terrifying journey because border officials who suspect a Saudi woman intends to claim asylum can just cancel their visa and send them home. Mm, Yeah, really difficult journey for these women. Do we know then, Rachel, did the sisters have protection visas or asylum status? Our investigation showed that the sisters had tried to claim asylum in Australia Mm -hmm. and they were engaging with refugee services in Sydney. One source during this investigation has told me they were afraid of a male relative and they were worried he'd come over to Australia or send someone over to get them. But whether that's in their asylum claim, whether it had anything to do with their deaths, I I have to say I do not know. 
It reminded me of a case in, I think it was 2018, in New York, to the bodies of two Saudi sisters, Rotana and Tala Faria, 23 and 16 years old, were found on the banks of the Hudson. Now, they were found bound together. They'd requested asylum in the US. Their deaths were deemed suicide, with police saying that the money had run out and that they'd rather kill themselves than return to Saudi Arabia. At this point in time, we have no credible information that any crime took place in New York City, but it is still under investigation. Just the fact that their hands were both, like, they were bound together, I thought, oh, that's a bit strange. Like, how do you do that? Mm and drown. I asked for the autopsy report, but it's only available to next of kin, apparently. But the New York Police Department's chief of detectives said at the time that there was no signs of trauma on their bodies and that it, it is credible that the girls entered the water alive. So that case, it sounds similar. The police in the US deemed it a suicide. So what are police saying here about the case here of these two Saudi sisters? Sam, I just don't think they know. You know, they're working in the dark. I think they've hit a lot of brick walls like we had trying to get people to talk to them, to trust them. I know a lot of the information coming in at the moment is hindering their investigation. You know, some of there's been reports in the press that there was a suicide pact, that bottles were found beside their body, that one might have come up against troubles to do with her sexuality. The police are worried now more about misinformation as well as getting accurate information. So I think that's been problematic. I know that reportedly initial autopsy and toxicology reports came back as inconclusive. Mm. So they're not saying it's suicide like they did in the New York case, and it would seem, given their calls for information, that they're looking into whether it could have been murder. Mm, okay, so the police investigation, it's, it's ongoing. It's obviously incredibly complicated. What do you think? You've had a look at this now You've uncovered some things, but obviously not everything. But what do you think? Was it a suicide or a murder? I don't think I'm in a position to, and probably shouldn't, speculate. Yes. It could be either. But the stories of fear that I've been hearing, you know, the sisters Amal and Asra used to peer out their curtains and keep watch over the entrance to see if people were coming and going. So things like that make me think that there's something bigger at play here. Mm, and Michael Baird, I mean, he really did, as you say, try to look out for these girls. What's he saying now? He did say to me he doesn't think that it's suicide. Mm. He said, quote, two young women do not commit suicide together unless they're doing it together. They don't get naked, they don't go to separate rooms and they don't die separately. He is really worried that this will be a case that falls through the cracks and he just wants the young women to get a proper investigation. I just get the feeling it's going to get dropped. It's just going to... These two girls are just going to fall through the cracks somehow, you know? And that shouldn't... That's not right. Mm. Somebody should be looking after those girls, even now. Rachel Brown is a reporter with Background Briefing. You can hear her full investigation on the ABC Listen app. And if you or anyone you know needs help, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14. This episode was produced by Flint Duxfield. Additional production by Sam Dunn, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer this week has been Sydney Peed. Over the weekend, catch This Week with David Lipson, where he'll be looking at the pioneers of Australian female pop after the death of Olivia Newton-John. 
I'm Sam Hawley. ABC News Daily will be back again on Monday. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.